0: Welcome to True House Stories. I am Lenny Fontana coming out of New York City. The Big Apple, and now it's the hottest apple in town. We're sweltering again and we're back with the summer heat and starting to cook and those that know how hot it gets in New York, we're just going to get started. But thankfully, summer is upon us. We have scoured the earth to go to Chicago, but before we get to Chicago, let's just reenact where we come from okay so we got a brooklyn new york native who's one of the hottest singers in town she was also one of the most prettiest around town as well and won new york state and in that year and she'll tell us all about it you know her records you know that big hit runaway love you know if my friends could see me now and i remember being a kid and watching that film fame and hearing red light Party light, all those great songs, and that's our girl, Miss Linda Clifford. Bring her up here. Hey,
1: Welcome somebody. to True House Stories, Miss. Hey, how are you? Oh, stop! Stop it!
0: Okay. We are not worthy here at True House Stories to have such grand royalty, royalty that lives in Chicago. But yes. so does Chicago. People know she's ours. <laughs> She's a real girl. She ain't no Chicago girl. That's right. Chicago by, by by marriage. she is a New York girl. Brooklyn, New York, USA. <laughs> Once a
1: New Yorker, always a New Yorker.
0: Never changes. Thank you. Well, we've been talking back and forth and having a good old time before off screen. And before we get started, of course, and before I ask the first question, I ask everyone, how are you holding up during this COVID thing? How's everything going?
1: Well you know i'm I'm very grateful and very happy to say that we managed to get through this whole thing without becoming ill ourselves. Our family is good and uh, everybody's healthy so I'm very pleased about that although I'm very sad about the situation with some of the other families who were not so lucky so um, but we're doing okay you know we're staying alive child staying alive. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Yeah.
0: Thank God! All right. Well, you look great. Thank I'm you. not going to ask you for your young age of 38 years old. We know that you, you know, you're looking fabulous at 38, doing your Thank thing. Thank
1: you. Oh it's been a rough 38 years. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, my birthday was uh just two days ago.
0: Come on, everybody. Wish her a big happy birthday. Start saying happy birthday wishes to her. Yes,
1: yes, that would be great. I love it. This is my birthday week, so I'm still celebrating. And um, I'm, like, really surprised that I'm still here. I mean, I, I think back on some of the things that I've done in my life and some of the people I've encountered, and I'm like, uh, wow, you are lucky to be alive because... There's some crazy folks out there in the world, but I made it another year. And I'm here with you.
0: Thank God. And thank, thank you for God. being with us. And thankfully, thank you for being with us. And don't ever think that we don't, we're, we're very grateful for all the contributions you've done over the years. But before I even get back to this, you know, let's, let's talk about you. <laughs> let's okay. Let's let's start with the first first question. Oh, Linda, just just saying, you're a little quiet. You just make sure you speak a little bit louder. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, okay, yeah because okay. a little quiet on your side. Okay. Right. So the first question I ask everyone is the same, and it's going to, and it's a very appropriate question. Is of course, um, how does music find the young Linda Clifford? Young, young, uh, like young, like child, young, child,
1: young,
0: <laughs> <laughs> or whatever middle school, wherever you found.
1: It was an accident, first of all, as far as the singing goes. Um, I was uh, I was clumsy when I was little, and so I fell down a lot. My folks thought, oh, we got to put her in school for dancing. She needs a little, you know, grace. And that's what they did. They put me in school for dancing, but while I was there, I would sing with the other classes and the other people in the class, and I started singing, and... Um, they said, well, maybe she can sing this song. And they put me out and I started singing, you know, different tunes. And that's where I found myself, you know, really in the singing. I was just so happy. And uh I loved it. But not as much as singing. So that's where it all started for me. All right. At four years old. Four. Four.
0: So you're doing the typical, I'm going to guess, ballet classes and tap dancing?
1: You got it. Yes, yes. I could still do a time step, by the way. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I did that. And a little jazz, you know, modern jazz. But um, they had a thing that they used to call personality classes. And they would line up all the students at a certain time of day you know, they'd have this big, long line that would go from one length, one end of the studio to the other. And the piano player would start playing all these old vaudeville tunes. And we would have to sing and just, and act out these songs, you know, that kind of, hey, you know, crazy, fun stuff. And because I was so small, I was always in the front of the line, you know, so here's me just really working out on that old tune. And The owner of the studio thought, this kid's really good. She's crazy, but she's good. So so they started using me in their shows. They were uh, shows in the Catskills. I worked the Catskills.
0: You did the Catskills?
1: Oh, yeah. I had to sing in Hebrew, Yiddish, French, Spanish. Just very little but I learned you know how to sing in all those languages so I could perform performance.
0: Did you and, have any grandeurs of thinking about show stardomship at that time? Like were you thinking about being when you were that young as, as like being the star, you know and, how? Uh,
1: at the time I was um, I would say six or seven, <laughs> I was doing shows regularly there used to be a star time that would come from macy's basement they produce these shows in macy's and uh i was doing that show once a week which was at that time live tv and then i was also doing a show called the merry mailman show with ray heatherton and you're probably too young to remember that <laughs> remember this but you know, he used to have a show called The Merry Mailman and I would sing that song with him and dance. So, you know, at 7, I was already used to cameras and, you know, that kind of thing. So, it's been a journey. Wow. Yeah.
0: See that see see how everyone I tell you, everyone has that big backstory. It's never yeah. from when you see yeah. the front album cover. It's like how did you get from there to the album? You know, it's like where did it all go? So, you, now we're talking, this has got to be 50. Late, I was going to say late fifties, right? Around that yeah. time. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's, it's been a while.
0: So uh, let's, let's just paint this picture. So right now the big bopper and Buddy Holly and all that's on the radio basically. Yes. So rock and roll, the king of rock and roll is just making his way through. The Beatles have not yet stepped on these shores yet. They weren't even playing what? yet. Right. So Chuck, Chuck Berry's doing his thing. The other yeah. one, Jerry Lee Lewis, is playing the crazy with the crazy hair, the piano, all that's going on. And you're doing the Catskills.
1: <laughs> okay. I, the cat. I was actually a little older when I started doing yeah.
0: the Catskills. <laughs> but no, I'm joking.
1: Yeah. But Dang, it, I'm just joking. Uh, the the TV shows that that were happening, I was singing, I started singing Elvis Presley songs. You know, not like Hunk a hunker burn in love. Hunker
0: Hunker Burn Love.
1: Yeah. Those were the tunes. You know, people would go, oh how cute. You know, here's me with my pigtails. And I'm singing All Shook Up by Elvis Presley. So that was, you know, that was my thing.
0: Lord, you better work this thing.
1: <laughs> I better, did, okay. <laughs>
0: you were there. You did. You broke it out for us. You tell, She's not only playing. She's not telling you. She was there when she... As those songs were being made, she was, play, she was singing them as a young kid. That's right. All exactly. right. So you had to learn quick how to sing, like real fast.
1: You know, I did. And my dad had an incredible baritone, beautiful baritone voice. And uh, and he would sing around the house all the time. So, you know, singing was just something that happened spontaneously throughout my life. And um, my mom, you know, I love her to death, but she couldn't carry a tune if it was in a bucket. I mean, she tried. She wanted to sing so desperately because we all did. And uh, she just was not a good singer. But she tried. So we, you know, we loved her for trying and we all had uh, just a wonderful time growing up with that. Music was huge in my life.
0: Well, you got to realize there wasn't much around at that time. We're not talking like today where you have so many different things going on with the internet. and You know, right. you talking about a few, you talking about AM radio, a few stations and a couple of TV stations. It I was-
1: think there were three TV. Well, there was NBC, CBS, ABC came later, I believe. Mm So, you know, and um, early when when this all started, everything was black and white. I mean, my God, somebody got a color TV. It was like, oh, my God, color. You know, it was unheard of.
0: Hang on. Hang on, I make a joke of this all the time. My neighbor got the color TV. What that was was a plastic front that had three colors, red <laughs> blue, and yellow. But come check out our color TV. Oh Black my and white God. with this color. Yo, that ain't color. The frig is that crap? Oh,
1: my God.
0: <laughs> that, was a, that was a luxurious moment. You got color TV. <laughs> that was huge. Huge.
1: So, uh, yeah, that was a big deal.
0: And this is pre-FM radio, girl. Pre-FM radio. Tell
1: me about it. I know. I know. I, I think um, WBBM played Sinatra, uh, you know, Dean Martin, that whole, the Rat Pack. And so, obviously, I learned all of those tunes. And then, of course, Peggy Lee and some of the uh, Ella Gerald, all those ladies nice. that to into play. So that was huge.
0: So big band music was still the predominance next to rock and roll, right?
1: Right, and then of course you know the R and B stations were coming up. Also, there was in our home, literally there was every kind of music being played. There was country music because my parents were both from the south, and so we listened to uh, country music. We listened to uh, R and B and blues, and we listened to. Uh, the Great American Songbook. It was all there. So, you know, for that, we were well-rounded in the music uh, music family.
0: So as far as education is going,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, of course, with singing and stuff, which way are you thinking life is going to be taking you? Is, uh, are you thinking like becoming a lawyer or a doctor or any type of things like that? Or are you just thinking about singing at this point? And-
1: singing. Singing like- Really? That's it. Knew anyway, um, I went and I graduated from uh, Wingate High School. I don't know if you remember Wingate. And, you know, my folks, of course, they wanted me to go to college and be a school teacher. You know, that was, you know, school teachers have a nice living. They get a nice retirement. You'd know, be comfortable. You know, and it, that was the thing. And that generation was like. You know, we didn't have that opportunity, so we want you to go and and do all these things. And um, I thought, I I can't, but I did try. I did try. Graduated, and then I went to St. John's University for about <laughs> two months. <laughs> and I, you know, I had been a member of the Future Teachers Club when I was in high school. Okay. Uh, you know, to try to fill that that void that was there for my mom, and it just didn't work for me. So um, they finally understood. They said, okay, we get it. You got to do what you got to do. And I took off.
0: <laughs> you broke out.
1: I broke out. I was gone.
0: Okay, so, okay, you broke out of St. John's and you said, I'm leaving now.
1: Yeah. You that
0: door. Where's the door open next from St. John's? Where do you roll to? Well,
1: what happened was I, I did go to the Catskills after high school. I went to the Catskills. I worked with, you know, some really incredible people. I learned so much that entire summer. And then I met a band that was performing up there. And they invited me to come see their show. And when I saw them, I thought, oh, my God, they're awesome. This is a great band. They had dancers, singers, and musicians, and it was fabulous. And so I invited them to come to my show. And the show that we did in the Catskills, as I said, was, it was almost burlesque, but burlesque in the true sense of the word, not strippers, but uh, comedy, dancing, singing. And so I was Carmen Miranda, Ethel Waters, Uh, Eddie Cantor, I played all these different characters, so yeah, and everybody in the cast you know, had that same um, attitude and and same work ethic, so you changed on the side of (laughs) the stage, we could hear the musicians making mistakes, but instead of reading the music, they were You know, because, you know, here we are standing, you know, one minute I'm Carmen Miranda, the next minute I'm in an evening gown, literally in five seconds. And so needless to say, you know, there were a lot of changing. There was a lot of changing going on. But we did that and I joined this band. And that was a lesson in itself. We went from there, from the Catskills to Miami, which was their home base. Okay. I lived in Miami for a little while until I made the Ku Klux Klan angry. And, yeah.
0: (laughs) Let me ask you, before we get to the Ku Klux Klan angry. Yeah. Can you paint Miami's picture at that time, what it looked like around that time? Didn't look like the ocean drive of today.
1: Oh, no. (laughs) No. No, it definitely did not. You didn't see all those wonderful colors and all. No, it was a totally different uh, retirement city. You know, a lot of people went there for the weather to retire and, you know, just really do nothing. There was no nightlife. Um, There weren't nightclubs or dancing or anything. But now it's like a second Vegas almost.
0: Yeah. And then it was it was basically a pasture waiting to pass. Existence. I would call that the waiting to pass area. Yeah. Transition, we're transitioning to our other side, but we're yeah. waiting. The then, waiting so we'll be burned out while we wait. <laughs> so so everyone that's tuning in, now we're getting to the part where Miss <laughs> Miss Clifford pisses off the Ku Klux Klan.
1: Yeah.
0: What did you do to the Ku Klux Klan or the Klan members?
1: They uh, we actually got booked in this beautiful, beautiful venue in Titusville, Florida. I don't know uh, how many of your listeners know Titusville, but the very close where uh, Cape Canaveral. Okay, I think it was still called Cape Canaveral at that time. It became Cape Kennedy. So they were sending these rockets up into space and what have you. You would get a lot of uh, astronauts coming in um, in this area in the club, and we would also get people who were not necessarily all educated but lived in in that area. And some of the group was they were planned. Very proud of it, and at that time. Uh, George Wallace was running for president. And so they would come in and they would sing sing Wallace's theme song. Sing? Right, to me. I'm like...
0: Sing George Wallace's theme song?
1: Yeah. What was his theme song? Well, I sang Born to Lose. (laughs) Did you say?
0: Did you see, did you think Born to Lose? Yes.
1: (laughs) So obviously they didn't like that so much. And they decided that they were going to make me regret it. And they showed up at my house with a cross burning on the lawn. And this gang of people coming down the street. And that's when I left and went to California (laughs) in the middle of the night. I had no choice. I had to leave. Yeah. Can
0: you tell us what that in the what some of the words were in born to lose some of the younger audience members? Do you know any any do you remember? Born
1: Born oh I can't remember now. Born to lose and now I'm losing you, but (laughs) (laughs)
0: Goodbye. And good night, everyone. So yeah for so, George Wallace and his followers, it's kind of like what we were dealing with recently. But let's keep that moving. <laughs> right. Yeah,
1: let's keep moving.
0: So now we move our way from the south to the west. Yeah. California, here I come.
1: All right. That way. Right. From. <laughs> okay. So we go out to uh, I go out to California and. At this point, I had um, I had left the original group and started my own band. I had like a little trio and myself, and um, I left them behind, but let them know where I was, and they followed. And we started working clubs in California. And we found an agent, and my God, we traveled the entire country, including Alaska which was one of my favorite places to go and work. So uh, just playing nightclubs and really paying our dues. I mean, that was part of the deal. And, and that's the thing that's missing, I think, a lot today. People don't have, I don't know, maybe they don't have the patience to pay their dues or they there's not a lot of places to do it. You can't just go in and start working a nightclub anymore. There aren't any clubs like there used to be. And uh, we were grateful that, you know, we came along at that time and we did. We worked. Oh, my gosh. We worked clubs everywhere. And that's where you learn. You really learn your craft. You know how to talk to an audience, uh, making eye contact, not being afraid to speak to them, you know, because in the beginning, you know, I had done all this other stuff where I was just introduced and I came out and sang a song and I was gone. Now, all of a sudden, I'm up front and I have to speak to the crowd, talk to them about their special requests, et cetera, et cetera. And so that makes a makes a difference. I think when people go out, they don't just want to hear you stand there. They want you to, and that's where you learn it. Is in these clubs.
0: Sure. These clubs give you get your your technique, make skin thicker, you know, in a sense of learning how to deal with a rowdy crowd, all That's that stuff, thing. right?
1: We used to work a club in Chicago. I am not kidding. And every time I would sing, somebody would inevitably ask me to sing the way we were. This was before I was recording. And every time I would sing the way we were, a fist fight would break out. I kid you not. And to the point where we were so used to it, the piano player would just pick up the piano and move <laughs> The drums would get pushed back. It's like, give him room. <laughs> Let him go.
0: you but- talk about the Barbra Streisand record, The Way We Were oh, That right? One? Yes. Can't we start fighting over that record?
1: I know. I'm like the way we were, and then... What what the hell would make anybody fight over the way we were? We're not doing that song anymore. We took it out of
0: the... the I don't blame you. That would have been off the repertoire repertoire right away. Right away! I don't know. know.
1: So, uh, we did take it off the list, and then I guess, I don't know, a few months later, somebody came in, and we thought, okay, it's been quiet. We can try it. And sure enough, boom. Yeah.
0: Normally, that record makes people cry. I know. Record.
1: They get it. <laughs> it always it makes you runs think about
0: yeah. things that went past, right? Right. Not fighting over, oh, maybe you know what it may have been? Yo, you took my woman. <laughs> that kind of fight.
1: That's <laughs> the way we were. <laughs> so, hey, you never know. And then also at that same time, the biggest tune that was out there was Donna Summer. Oh, love love
0: Nineteen hundred and seventy-five.
1: Yes, and so uh, you know they would ask me to sing it, and I'm like, I don't. And then finally, I listened to it so much that we just started faking it, and I was doing it in the clubs. I was actually doing Donna's music.
0: You were doing Donna's stuff. Yes. Now, Donna Gaines didn't like the part that went, oh, how do you do that live? What do you do live? What are you going to have, you know, 15 minutes? You
1: you just do it. I mean, it's part of the gig. So you do it and you make a joke out of it. Hopefully people (laughs) will like it. And they did. They loved it.
0: Probably one of the most risqué records of its time being on radio.
1: Honest to goodness. Yeah, I was so surprised when I heard it. But it that turned a lot of things around for music. You know, that song, all of a sudden there were different words that you didn't normally hear on the radio. It would be, okay, we'll let that one go. We'll let that word go. You know what I mean? Pushing the envelope, right? Pushing, Pushing that envelope. the envelope a little bit more each day it happened because i can remember a dj making a note about a particular song um i think that curtis did and he made a comment in the song and of course they left it but they would bleep it out on the radio and
0: now she's talking about curtis mayfield everybody
1: yeah. oh <laughs> and she said and curtis it's
0: like it's not curtis but It's uh, curtis mayfield
1: that's right curtis um and they bleep it out on the radio. And he's the comment. I can't believe that professional would say such a thing in the in a song. And i thought you out of touch because things are moving. Are you listening? Wow. Yeah.
0: Things that like you know, like that song goes, things are changing. And it's so true. Things were changing drastically.
1: Drastically.
0: People <laughs> meant wearing their hair long. You're talking about the hippie generation was coming in, yep. sex, the whole 1970s, sex and freedom, free love. free love, drugs. Everything's changing. Everything's changing. We just came out of a horrible situation of Vietnam. Oh yeah. You know, uh, we had another president that was a Watergate scandal going on. There's a lot of dirt going on around us, boy. A
1: lot of crooks. <laughs>
0: And boy, and changes for sometimes the better, and sometimes for the worse.
1: Absolutely, yeah. both yeah.
0: ways—great changes and bad changes—all at the well, same
1: you know, time. Good without bad, and vice versa. So you know, there's there's got in that expression, and I think it's. But we've had it all. We've been through a lot. So you, now
0: you're Callie, you're doing your nightly shows? Yes. Keep going. Take us on the trip to Linda Clifford World. Go ahead.
1: Oh my God. So yeah, you're working the nightclubs and really um, in California, you work five hours a night. So if you're singing for five hours, you know, you're building up your chops, you're throat is your your vocal power is pretty strong you're good and that's you know that's huge because you know you have got that stamina Mm -hmm. you're able to to hang in there well i moved to chicago because uh after touring the country and and working all these clubs at one point we lost our guitar player we needed a a new guitarist so Uh, someone in the band said, oh, I know this guy in Chicago. He's great. And he used to play. He's a rock and roll guy. He used to play with PG&E. Okay, Pacific Gas and Electric is a band. Oh, wow. You remember that group? Yeah, another group. Yeah. Yeah. So, So we get him on the phone. He calls him. And we're all listening. You know, we're like, and of course, we didn't have speakers at that time. So everybody's got their ear trying to hear what's going on. And no speaker phones. So (laughs) um, he convinces us that instead of him coming to California, where he used to live and play with that band, we should come to Chicago because there's nothing in Chicago like the band that we have now. And by now, I mean, I had gone from a three-piece trio to a nine-piece band behind me. Wow. We had four horns, the rhythm section. I mean, it was, it was amazing. It was an amazing band. So here we are. We know nothing about Chicago. We don't know where we're going to live. We take off and go come to Chicago because we think we're going to really hit it big and be superstars because that's what this guy told us. We almost starved to death. We were using uh pop or soda bottles i know in new york there's soda
0: and in the midwest and- it's pop everybody pop, pop right. is coca-cola pepsi that kind of stuff
1: exactly and in those days you you know you return the bottles and got money you got cash because
0: they were glass bottles
1: glass bottles that's right so um and real
0: sugar everyone real <laughs> sugar not not that wannabe that's right uh, Saccharin, not even the saccharine. what's that thing called um oh god five Which one? the sugar they put in now they don't call it sugar they call it something else oh. anyway it's wannabe crappy not sugar they put in everything now
1: yes so that uh obviously uh That wasn't good. It wasn't a lot of money, but that's how we would buy our groceries.
0: Whatever food we... So you were looking for bottles? You were bottle collectors?
1: Yes!
0: (laughs) Yo, they were bottle collectors. For Bottle collecting was cool.
1: (laughs) That's right. I'm hungry. I need something to
0: eat. I hear you.
1: We did that.
0: That's called dedication, children. Dedication with a capital D. We
1: we did get... Out in Chicago, working uh, on which was like the show, and we worked uh, one particular club. It was
0: what was the club? Wait a minute, I'm losing you. What was the club called in Chicago? It was called Mothers. Mothers in Chicago. Yes. Does anybody remember that? Let us know.
1: Yeah, let us know. Um, I, they might still be there. I don't know, but. We worked uh, mothers, and then we also worked a place called the Rush Up, and they called it that because there was a giant flight of stairs, and carrying your equipment up those stairs was like in your life, in your hands. It was very dangerous. I'm, I was glad I didn't have to carry anything. But um, we did that, and we got hired, you know, at six weeks at a time. People were like, oh, no, we want the band, because it was great. But, you know, nobody wanted to pay a 10-piece band.
0: Linda, let me take a moment to say this. It's Mothers on Division, they're saying. On
1: Division! Who said that? Who's
0: that? Linda Red (laughs) told us. She said, tell Linda Clifford, mother's on division.
1: Is it, Linda, I love you. Is it still there?
0: (laughs) (laughs) And also somebody else wrote, I think it was Rick Allen wrote, my dad was her bass player. What? Yeah, in the band. I'm trying to find when he wrote this. Anyway, we'll get to that in a minute, but... I did see that come up. I said, oh, they're they reaching out now. And everybody's screaming, Runaway love, girl, runaway love. <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> so you were saying now we're on division. So that's so you 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 had to carry all that stuff up and you're doing it. You know what's crazy though? Let me let me let me give you a perspective. You left California, where stuff is normally happening. To go to Chicago? Knowing people from Chicago are dying to go to California. How does that yeah. work?
1: How does I, that work? You know, I think the reasoning behind that time was, you know, we've worked the entire time. We've been all over the place. We've never been to Chicago. Why don't we just go and check it out? And But he's, a lot of the guys in the bin married. I was married. So there was nothing holding us to a particular city. So we just take off and and um, that's called freedom, people. <laughs> that's to be free. But that didn't last long. Anyway, we'll get to that later.
0: Yeah, we um, there's, a, there's a bigger plan. And there's also what they call a karmic plan, too, because something huge comes from that as well, being in Chicago. A lot of things changing. That's right. As we know.
1: So uh, in Chicago, as I said, we play these rooms. And it turns out in Chicago, which is different from every country, you don't work five hours. You work six hours a night, five a week, and then on Saturday, seven hours.
0: So, so you're working more hours now and more days in Chicago,
1: and less money, and making less money.
0: What a great deal this
1: is! Hey! Can't beat it. And, and the few guys who were in the band who were married, they had their wives, their kids, we're all living in a three bedroom apartment. Oh
0: my God.
1: Yeah. So, um, and then eventually, you know, uh, and I think it's very normal, you know, the wives are like, hey, this is not what we talked about when we this is not it. We, something's got to change. And unfortunately for us, it just it, it the money got a little better, but not enough that we could uh, stay the way we wanted, live the way we wanted, and eventually the group did just I always managed, though, I was trying to have at least three or four players that would that stayed with me, and I found myself. Working the Playboy thing. in Those were Chicago. hot
0: back then. Those were hot because they had one New York, oh, it was Chicago, crazy. LA.
1: Absolutely, and um, I think um, you know it was right off of Michigan Avenue, which you know the Magnificent, a great area of Chicago, and we worked in the the room was called the living room. And that's where people would have dinner, and then there was that kind of thing. So um, that's where we were working, and I met this guy there who, uh, <laughs> every day now, uh, I met my husband there at the toy club, and he was working Playing a show in the showroom, and downstairs in the living room, and he eventually came and started working with our band, and that was it. And we've been married together for forty-three years. So, yes, yeah. And how
0: many children later?
1: We've two, a girl. Uh, he's an archaeologist. Who lives in South Carolina, and my daughter is a voiceover actress and singer. She works a lot for Disney and you know, all that stuff. And she's she's out in L.A. So, and grandchildren. We have two grandchildren. Oh, yeah. So we've been we've been busy trying to hold down the fort.
0: All right. Well, you meet your husband. You have, yes. You get married. Yeah. You stay. How long does the stint stay at the Playboy, at New Playboy Club International?
1: Oh my gosh. We have been at the Playboy Club. I think I was there for a year. Yeah. And then um, we had a few changes with some of the players and that kind of thing. Um, But at least a year. And they would have us back like every six weeks. Try and keep us for a few months or whatever, but um, all together, I would say we were there for at least three years on and off, so it was great. Um, it felt good, honestly, to me to be in one place and kind of be settled in, you know, because we had traveled so you know, when you try, you know what it's like on the road, everything you own, you've got in a suitcase,
0: pretty much so. I-
1: Everything though, and all of a sudden, you know, here I am in this apartment, and all my stuff is like staying. It's awesome, it was great. I loved it.
0: That's awesome, yeah. So, we're now moving into because I know sooner or later you get picked up, so I got to hear how this happens from the record business because you know, you're still singing,
1: I'm still singing. And I'm thinking to myself, well, how long can I actually sing in these nightclubs? all these late hours, the cigarette smoke, everything? You know, I, I've reached an age where I'm starting to think about that. <clears throat> so I decide, well, I, maybe if I got a record deal, a, a real deal, that would be, that would help if I could get a deal. And I realized, someone mentioned to me that there was a record company not far from where we were working and it was Curtin Records. So, I decided that I was going to just waltz in there and invite them to come to the show. And that's what I did. I took a cab to Per Tom and I walked up to the receptionist and said that I was here to see Curtis Mayfield. Super like I was somebody. Okay, I'm like, hey. Super fly Superfly. Well, <laughs> Curtis wasn't in, but his business partner was there.
0: And I'm here to see Curtis Mayfield. You know who right. I am? Curtis. You know who I am? Who <laughs> oh, are you, girl? You tell who you are. I'm this Linda Clifford. You hear me?
1: <laughs> <laughs> linda with a c clifford that's right <laughs> yep. and i did see his, his partner and i invited him to come to the first table.
0: he probably said jesus christ how sexy you look probably probably looked awesome when you walked in let's get the real picture here we go so this is our picture of my my advice she's coming in fully decked out ready here we go <laughs> How'd you go in there with a pair of jeans on and a shirt broken and my hat to the side? Go ahead. Say, tell it. I tell it, it as it up is. up
1: a little bit. I did I did. She dolled
0: up. She looked ready for the day. Ready for the right. day.
1: Well, you know, first impressions.
0: Always. I tell everyone that. First right. impression may be your last.
1: Exactly. That's it. You just never know. So. Yeah, I, you know, a lot of people like, it's not about how you look. Yes, it is. Oh, especially
0: when it comes to looking like if you're looking to try to get a deal, you're damn right it's for how you look.
1: That's right. If you want to move forward, yes, it is It is about that. And so, yeah, I did doll up a little bit. All right. And um, he agreed to see me and I explained that I was singing at the Playboy Club and I would love to invite Curtis. And whoever to come down and hear the show. And so he said, "Well, you know, he gave me the standard. Oh, that's very nice. And you know, you know, maybe okay, fine." So I left, and I guess about three, or four days go by, and all of a sudden, night we're in the middle of what we do, and there's this big flurry of excitement will start getting... Pretty-
0: All right, hang on. Let me go to a commercial. One second, no. Just-